Good morning, hello, and welcome to Witchery, our podcast and dark variety show. My name is Kara Witcher. I've been trying to record this episode for the last hour. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to riff a little bit here, but um, my 85-year-old autistic mother-in-law, now something we don't talk a lot about is the elderly who live with autism, and I assure you folks, they are out there, for if you have young autistic people, you have old autistic people. It's just called the circle of life. But I digress. One of those autistic elderly people is living with my husband and myself. Uh, she is my husband's mother. She's been acting out quite a bit this morning. Um, one of her anxiety triggers is, oddly enough, Mother's Day. And uh, we're having a little bit of an act-out session. Um, <clears throat> she was literally screaming at me earlier, I know it's Mother's Day! It's Sunday! It's Mother's Day! Uh, yeah, so that's been my morning, guys. Um, uh, God bless her heart. Uh, you know, she lives in a mind that she cannot control. And, um, I'm not exactly the most patient person. I will be the first to admit that. Um, so I... We're struggling, folks. <laughs> um, I've got a, my Rottweiler... My baby girl, Liberty Bell, is passing from this life to the next. Um, having to make some hard choices on that end. So it's it's been a, it's been a time, guys. Uh, on top of dealing with sobriety. So I hope everybody is is okay. My sweet precious husband, I love him so much. He's slumbering peacefully. So I'm going to talk to you guys. Yeah you guys, about a little movie called Queen of Blood from 1966. Now, Queen of Blood was directed directed by Curtis Harrington. Uh, old Curtis was born in L.A. in 1926. What a time that must have been. He was a homosexual. He talked openly about being gay at that time period and uh, apparently had his first sexual experience with a high school jock. Ooh, exciting. Um, so anyways, uh, he's done a few movies. He did an interesting movie called Night Tide, which if you are a lover of B-movies and you like Dennis Hopper, go check this one out. It's really good. Uh, it has an interesting premise of a, it's like a, I believe it's set in New Jersey. There's a Jersey Shore uh, mermaid attraction and the head mermaid lady, the head performer, becomes convinced that she's an actual mermaid and she needs to murder these bad old men out there. And I think, if I remember correctly, Dennis Hopper is her love interest and he tries to save her from that life. Um, so, I... Hang tight, guys. Hang on just a second. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I realize no time will pass for you, um, but for me, there's been a few minutes. I am so sorry. My mother-in-law um, just had another attack. Um, she's 
really not doing very well. She's very, very convinced that today is Mother's Day and I am lying to her. Um, so, yay! <laughs> okay, so where was I? Uh, Curtis Harrington, gay, born 1920s, 30s. Um, oh, oh, Nighttide. So, Nighttide, yeah, the, uh, Dennis Hopper, as I was saying, I believe he's her love interest and he's going to like rescue her and uh, it, it, it's a great movie a little bit of a slow burn give it a check out if you love those 1960s b movie vibes so this movie is very b um it had it was premiered in cincinnati at cincinnati ohio um and it premiered on march 2nd um, so, if that tells you about the palpable excitement for this movie, um, right there. Um, anyways, uh, very B-movie, um, set in the future, 23 years in the future, 1990, uh, this movie, not Night Tide, but, uh, Queen of Blood. So sorry, guys. Uh, bad transition. Let's rewind. Um, Queen of Blood had its premiere in Cincinnati, Ohio, March 2nd, 1966. So that kind of tells you of the level of excitement for this film. Um, it's set in the future, 23 years in the future, 1990. And it's interesting to see how they think things are going to be uh, in the future uh, that far in. We're going to be so advanced. We've colonized the moon. Um, all the countries of the world have come together under one banner, the Space Institute. Um, so it's, it was going to be a wild time in 1990, guys. Uh, no flying cars, but some really bitchin' solid-colored bright outfits. Same hairstyles, unfortunately, but them outfits, though. Um, <clears throat> anyways, Curtis Harrington, uh, he, he had an eye for, it seemed like he liked to really make actors look longingly into each other's eyes. It seemed like that was his thing. He was trying to tell a story very clearly. Um, Curtis Harrington, interestingly enough, is known for his love of art, and um, he is also a very good writer. So you can see that artistic expression uh, through his directing in this film. You can really see that love of art if you pay attention. A lot of color in this movie, uh, a lot of that kind of technicolor feel. Um, it looks like, and I didn't look this up, um, it looks like it was filled on maybe a college campus or a high school campus or something, where the, quote, head of the Space Institute is, where all the astronauts live, don't you know? So, <clears throat> we have, now... All them astronauts, they're uh, pretty important because they, the astronauts are the ones that go back and forth to colonize, to the colonized moon, uh, the moon habitation. So, 
Um, which apparently is pretty important. We got to have them. And they did have a girl astronaut. You know, I have to say kudos to them. There was a female astronaut on their team. And from the looks of the extras, you were meant to believe that there were a lot of male and females working together. So, you know, 1966, that was probably a real, that was a radical idea for people to wrap their brain around. Uh, men and more men and women working together, flying together regularly, just having it be a normal thing, an internalized thing in our culture. And I know back in 1966, that wasn't normalized. I, uh, for women to be in the quote, man fields, which you have to think about, uh, in 1966, being an astronaut was not really an established thing. So anyways, imagining it as a male, female thing, that was kind of radical. That was kind of out there, man. <clears throat> oh, there's that bye tour. Bye tour. Bye tour. Come here. Uh, you know what, guys? Never give your dogs demonic names or they might be a reflection of it. Just saying. <laughs> Anyways, so. Yeah, I really like that. That imagining of men and women just working together. Uh, I know that had to have been radical for the 1960s. My parents told me about what it was like to be in the 1960s. Uh, 1960s. My mom was a career woman in the 1960s. So... Yes, these were very, um, very, uh, radical thoughts. Uh, I've already said that. <laughs> Anyways, guys, um, moving on. And I'm not going to re-record or go over anything. I've got to get through this episode. As I said, I have literally tried to record this five times this, this morning. And I'm just not going to go back and redo it. So we're going to deal. Um... Judith Meredith plays Laura, and boy, howdy, wow, she, oh, we're going to talk about her performance. Uh, John Saxon, as my mom would say, uh, John Saxon plays Alan, and Dennis Hopper, a young, sweet, apple-cheeked Dennis Hopper, plays Paul. He's not that young, but he's pretty young, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing, like, older um, as I'm sure a lot of you are too. Um, so we have our ragtag band of, uh, astronauts. Now we also have the great, hang on just a second. So sorry. Uh, we have the head of the Space Institute, Dr. Faraday, played by Basil Rutherford. Oh, Basil Rothstone. So sorry, Basil Rothstone. Oh, what an iconic actor. Oh, so foppish. Oh, so foppish, foppish. So, Dr. Faraday, good old Dr. Faraday, he um, is the head of the Institute. He's the head scientist. And what's interesting about this, the head of the Institute, the Space Institute, is a scientist. And um, it's not a bureaucrat. It's not a congressman. It's a scientist. And they defer to him rather 
him deferring to them, uh, which is rather interesting. Um, and that that's an interesting idea of how we thought uh, space and space travel and the way the way things would work. Because you have to remember that this was all still new stuff. We hadn't made it to the moon yet. Um, we hadn't really. I mean, we were on the cusps of everything. So everything was fresh and ready to be imagined. So it was interesting to see where people thought we would be. And the idea that the scientists would be in charge of the operation and they would be the ones calling the shots. I find that an interesting imagining. Now, of course, that's not the point of the story. I just found that interesting. Now, this story is based loosely on a short story from Year Unknown called The Veiled Woman. And apparently, it's an erotic story. I couldn't find the specific Veiled Woman uh, this was based on. And apparently, nobody really knows. So, I found several short stories from the time period. I mean, there's a lot of short stories called The Veiled Woman, and even a lot of them include drinking blood. Apparently, that was something chicks were into. I was like, ooh, come drink my blood, baby. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah. We have our ragtag band of Ellen, Laura, and Paul, and then some arbitrary Swedish dude. Um, so... Oh, no, the Swedish dude is with the vampire lady. I do beg pardon. So, we have a ragtag band of uh, astronauts. Um, Laura and Alan clearly are love interests. Um, I, it's just very, it's a very interesting idea that they weren't immediately married. They were love interests. Like, they were having a relationship. Like, it wasn't like, oh, boom, you gotta get married. So, all of, this was a pretty ahead-of-its-time movie. Honestly, like, looking at it, as I'm talking about it, I realized how ahead-of-its-time it really was. So, moving into the movie further, we see a ragtag band of astronauts. They're on campus. They're in their lovely, solid colored, bright colored outfits. Um, one of them's just gotten back from a mission, you know, blah, 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 chat, 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 establishment of relationships, ha, 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 ha. And then they're called into Dr. Faraday. Now, good old Dr. Faraday. Dr. Faraday, sorry, that was me smacking my notepad. Dr. Faraday has gotten a message, a message from the stars. Apparently, a alien ship has crash landed on Mars and they somehow made a video of with and you aren't really left to speculate. This video was made by a probe that the ship had sent out. And when the probe was finished doing recording that crash land, it went to Earth to the um I forget if it went to the moon station or got directly to the Earth. I believe it crashed on the moon. 
would, which I believe if I, if I am correct, I'll have to ask my husband when he gets up. Um, it would be more plausible that it would make it to the moon rather than all the way to the earth. I believe that's correct. Um, anyways, in any case, good old Dr. Faraday, he gets his hands on this video. And it, of course, shows these three ragtag astronauts from another planet crash landing in to Mars. And he's like, oh my goodness, aliens, they're asking for help. This is NASA West. Let's go get him. So our ragtag astronauts, uh, they go to go get them. They're, the ships look a lot like tubes of lipstick. Uh, they're very phallic looking, which tubes of lipstick. Tubes of lipstick are very phallic looking in and of themselves. So these very phallic looking lipstick ships, they go launch. Um, kind of at an angle upward. Ooh. Um, and very fantastical, bright colored, uh, fire coming out the, the end of them. I mean, it's spectacular. Oh, very, very showy. So the rockets make it to the moon. There's a whole scenes on the moon, on the moon station. It basically takes about 45 minutes of the movie to get to the actual vampires or vampire the queen of blood um so you you have to stay with it you have to stay with the story building and i i think that's what a lot of people didn't have patience for uh, it's sci-fi horror. They wanted a little more alien, a little more blood, a little more fantasticism. Um, they didn't want to have to be lured into a story. And I think that was part of the problem with the movie is it was trying to tell a story. But I digress. We make it to the ship. Or we make it finally make it to Mars. Uh, there's a whole thing where here comes John Saxon with his, and the, like, it was a whole thing. Um, way too long to get to the vampire. I understand the storytelling, but way too long to get to our queen of blood. Um, so we get to our queen of blood. She looks a little like if the green giant had a baby with an onion. I mean, she looks like an onion lady. We She has a very fantastical helmet, which is the shape of her hair. How convenient. Uh, well, she's the queen. So, you know, homegirl uh, has to have her onion hair in, in absolute perfect shape. <laughs> um, so, green onion lady... Uh, we get her off of her ship, the crash ship. Our hero, um, ragtag band, Alan, Paul, Laura, well, they've rescued her. Oh, thank goodness. They have gotten her off of her ship. They've gotten her helmet off. 
and little sweet Dennis Hopper. Well, he's going to help that poor little female drink some water. And he's going to help that poor female eat something. And, oh, the doctor decides, well, she's just in shock. And, nah, 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 nah. Or maybe this isn't the type of nutrition she needs. And boy, howdy, was he right. So, of course, our little onion vampire lady, she starts devouring the crew, um, which apparently she has to do nude. I found that interesting. You know, homegirl did not want to get no blood on her outfit. But once she got back in bed to sleep after she had eaten to digest her food, uh, quote, um... She uh, had her outfit back on. Very convenient. Um, but could not wipe the corners of her mouth. Interesting. So, we have our onion lady vampire. She eats Dennis Hopper after she seduces him. She does so naked. It's very clear that she's naked. Which, ooh, scandal. Uh, green lady onion vampire. Uh, she starts seducing, mind-controlling... Um, she basically takes, tries to take over the ship. John Saxon and his lovely Laura, they save the day. Uh, they get the ship back, or they want to get the ship back to Earth. They kill the Onion Lady vampire. They do manage to thwart the Queen of Blood. Um... But she has uh, somehow uh, laid all these eggs. I guess she managed to knock them out with her seductive spell. Um, an overpowering of pheromones or something like that. Um, she lays eggs all over the ship. All over the ship. In the panels, in the gear shift panel, in, I'm joking, there's no gear shift panel. I mean, in everything. All these little red eggs with this gelatinous-y purple stuff, purple-green stuff surrounding them, which I'm like, ooh, bitch. She managed to lay these eggs, which she must have been doing, uh, after feeding something like that, which causes me to ask the question, is she, was that the reason why she wasn't killing the female right away, um, even though she had been left alone with her several times? It wasn't just about devouring. Did she need the male to seed her eggs? Or was that the purpose of the two male vampires that were with her other than just her eating them? But I digress. A little bit of overthinking for this 1966B movie. She has laid them eggs everywhere. Now, of course, Dr. Faraday, being the uh, scientist that he is, he wants his specimens preserved. And Laura, being the girly girl girl that she is, she trusts the scientists intrinsically. Now, John Saxon, Alan, being the skeptic that he is and the manly man that he is, he doesn't trust anybody. So he doubts the scientists, which I say, 
kudos. Kudos to him. Always question with boldness. So, really, it's a classic tale of... Uh, I say classic tale. Really, the end sums up the mentality of a lot of people of just trust the authorities. Just, just trust the powers to be, that they will do the right thing. After all, why would they want to have harm come to you? What purpose would that serve them? Now, history shows us that's simply not true. Uh, so, this movie, you get a lot of fantastic colors. You get some Lovecraft purple vibes. You get some really terrible acting, mainly by, pardon me, by uh, Laura, who... <laughs> Who is played by Judy Meredith. Wow. Um, I mean, she's like, yes, Ellen, I love you so passionately. Oh my, I'm terribly scared. Let me scream. Ah, I'm scared. It, it's that dry, bland type of acting. So, a uh, lot of color. Very bright, a lot of color. Which, for the 1960s, there was always a lot of color. Um, a lot of this was filmed on bad sets. You get clink, 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 clam, 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 whenever they're walking. You can tell that they're walking on a set, probably built on a trailer. <laughs> it It's really apparent. Um, especially, I watched a remastered version, apparently, on TMC. Uh... Or TCM. Um, wow. Wowie wow. Was it loud? Um, it was very obvious that it was a set and not a ship. Um, so anyways, that was Queen of Blood 1966. Uh, sorry guys, it's a little shoddy. It's not as in-depth as I wanted to get. This morning has been... It's been hell. Um... Pardon me as I take a drink of coffee. Uh, I love my husband very, very much. He's a wonderful, sweet man. I want to take a moment to brag on this man. Um, I have watched him love and care for a woman who does not have the mental capacity to be a real mom. Whatever that fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> what does that even mean, a real mom? This is the mom that uh, God gave him. And he realizes that and accepts it. And loves her. Um, I find that so admirable. And I don't tell him nearly enough. So I want to say to my husband, Howard Witcher, uh, you're a great man. I love you very, very much. And 
the love and compassion you show your mother is something the world needs to mimic. I love you so much, baby. Sorry, guys. I just was hit by some emotions just now. Um, hey, we're all human. We all struggle. Uh, and the reality is maybe you have a parent who is mentally handicapped or mentally ill that you're caring for. If you do, I want to send you positive energy. Um, I want to say it's okay. You're not alone. And uh, there are others like you. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, wow. Um, so anyways. Uh, future plans for the show. The dark variety part. So I want to start talking about, um, with you, about American spiritualism. Uh, I am a collector of fraternal order and American spiritualism artifacts. Uh, my husband and I both find it terribly interesting. Me more so than him. But uh, our region is full of that lore. So I'll be talking some about my collection in the future. Uh, gosh. And some true crime. Um, we have some... I'm, I want to get into some true crime, so anticipate that. Um, I want to be talking about the Cassidy Rainwater case. Um, I've taken a personal interest in. So just keep, keep in tune for that, guys. And I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. I'm going to start cranking out more episodes. But I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. And I hope you always, always stay an individual. Keep it weird, my friends. See you on the flip side.